Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Oh, yes! And the Ice Bears win 3-2 in overtime! Welcome in to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. My name is Joel Silverberg. I appreciate you taking the time to check out the KIV podcast, whether you're doing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. A big weekend for Knoxville, a big rebrand night. We appreciate everybody coming out on Friday for the Unveiling of the Scruffy City Shiners was a successful night all around, including an Ice Bears win, a 5-2 victory over Fayetteville. Pretty good debut for Brandon Picard, scoring two goals. Zane Steves, a solid night in net. Knoxville only gave up two power play goals on the night, so a little bit to be desired in the penalty-killing department. But all in all, Knoxville did a really good job 5-on-5. I thought they kept Fayetteville at bay for good chunks of the game and came away with what turned out to be, don't want to say an easy win, but I I think the way that Knoxville worked hard for 60 minutes definitely made it a lot easier on themselves down the stretch, especially with a Fayetteville team that is very tenacious. They fight back a lot. They they don't have a problem with being down two goals early in a game, and they were down by two on multiple occasions and still had opportunities to make it close. Uh, Things got a little bit chippy in the final few minutes of the third, and Fayetteville had a couple of power play chances to maybe get back into that game. Knoxville did a good job at killing off those third period penalties and ultimately coming away with an empty net goal to seal the game. So all in all, thought it was a really good performance from Knoxville. And then moving to Saturday, which is where all the fireworks occurred, and I'm sure that's all anybody listening to this podcast really wants to hear about. Knoxville got a huge 5-4 to win over Roanoke. That was a game that Knoxville needed. That was a game that had played similarly to the last couple of times that Knoxville had been to the Berglund Center this year. And if you remember what happened in that first weekend in January, back on January 6th, Knoxville has a one nothing lead against Roanoke. A couple of back-to-back penalties called against the Ice Bears. Knoxville goes down on a five-on-three. They give up two power play goals. They later give up a third power play goal, end up losing the game in Roanoke. And after having a third-period lead... And so Knoxville, they score early. Justin Levesque gets his first goal of the game. Owen McDade gets two back-to-back. And so Knoxville's been outshot 22-6 to in the first period alone. Roanoke has the lead. How does Knoxville come back from that? Cole McKechnie strikes early in the second. Then Dawson McKinney has a really nice finish to give Knoxville the lead again. Billy Roach with an absolute blast from the blue line to tie the game. And so going into the third period, Knoxville's getting dominated on shots on goal. They're fighting for dear life to kill off penalties. I don't I don't know how Roanoke didn't score on its first two power plays of the game. I thought they were all over the ice, thought they were really good in the zone. Knoxville was really on its heels on its first four penalty killing minutes. And credit to the penalty killing unit in Zane Steves. They gave up two power play goals the night before and fought like crazy to keep Knoxville in that game throughout the majority of that game. And you know, it wasn't until the the final minute and a half that Knoxville finally gave up a power play goal and that came on a five on three with five seconds left in a five-on-three. So a much better performance from the penalty killers. And Brett uh, Brett McCrones gets his second goal in as many nights, and then McKinney scores the OT winner. 
And just like that, Knoxville's got back-to-back wins and a, a lot of reason for confidence just moving forward. Obviously, still a lot of work to do. Knoxville still has its work cut out for them, but you picked up four big points in a single weekend for the first time in a while, and now you have two home games coming up against Macon, so it's another big series of two teams that are trying to get back into the playoff picture. And now Macon, you know, they trade Tommy Municello, they get Jonathan Bartuccio Pereira and Bailey Morissette for, from Roanoke. And so a, a little bit of help both on the front end and the back end. Sasha Wall will still be suspended from Macon uh, when the Mayhem come to play Knoxville, but it really sets the stage for what is a, is a crucial three-game weekend for Knoxville because then they'll go to Huntsville on Sunday night. That's a 6 o'clock Eastern puck drop, 5 o'clock local time if you're planning on making the trip down to northern Alabama. So obviously the the big fireworks show, there was a fight early in the game after Levesque scored at 221. Cole McKechnie and Josh Nenadal got into a fight on the ensuing faceoff. Nenadal was given a game misconduct for being the aggressor. Similar situation to what happened with uh, Justin Portillo and Jonathan Pace back in November. They get into a fight. Pace goes down. Portillo continues to throw punches, gets tossed out of the game. Nenadal deals with the same thing threw a couple of punches on McKechnie while he was down on the ice, gets the aggressor misconduct, and gets tossed from the game. Now, with three and a half minutes left, there's a face-off at about 3.50 to go in the third period. Knoxville works the puck out of its own end. Justin Levesque dumps it down the left side. McKechnie goes to pursue. Roanoke ends up breaking it out. McKechnie and Levesque are on the back check. Levesque I couldn't tell from my angle how much of the elbow he actually used, but the hit probably came in a second late. I initially thought the call was interference. It was ruled elbowing. Either way, it's a two-minute minor. And then after the play, Billy Roach goes over and hits Cole McKechnie, and that leads to C.J. Stubbs and Steven Alvo getting involved in a big shoving match, and so McKechnie's in a two-on-one. Seth Enzer comes over to try to stand up for McKechnie. Punchers are thrown. Gloves are dropped. A helmet comes off, and... McKechnie ends up getting tossed. He gets a five-minute major for charging. He gets a 10-minute game misconduct. He gets a two-minute roughing minor. Levesque obviously gets the two-minute elbowing minor. Enzer gets a five-minute fighting major. Alvo gets a five-minute fighting major and a game misconduct. And McDade gets a five-minute fighting major but avoids the third man in. So you could see on the video, Alvo drops his gloves, as does McKechnie, and it looks like they're going to go at it. And then McDade comes in and tackles McKechnie to the ground. So it's third man in. Now, McDade doesn't get called for that. And for Cole McKechnie, I'm I'm still a little bit confused about the charging major. I didn't really see anything that McDade, Alvo, McKechnie, or Enzer did that was more egregious than the other. And so after the game, this is the explanation I was given from Knoxville head coach Andrew Harrison about what referee Scott Gaffney told him. And again, this is not... These are not my thoughts. This is what the message was relayed to me. This is what I was told how the referee saw things go down. Scott Gaffney skates over to the bench and tells Andrew Harrison, I didn't see any of it. So right off the bat, Scott Gaffney is acknowledging he didn't see the fight because he was talking to Justin Levesque, explaining to him the ramifications of the minor penalty. He then says, my linesman thought, keyword here is thought, my linesman thought he saw McKechnie start the whole thing. So McKechnie is getting an additional two-minute major, two-minute minor for roughing. So after all that, Roanoke has two players tossed from the game. Knoxville has two players tossed from the game. And 
Roanoke had more players involved in the fight as well because CJ Stubbs is seen on camera getting involved. Billy Roche is the one that makes the initial push on McKechnie that starts the fight. And so after all that, Knoxville ends up shorthanded by two men and Roanoke gets a five on three for starting a fight. Now, obviously, there's tension between these two teams. There was an incident about a month ago in Knoxville. We all remember that. I'd like to think that I was fairly as objective as I could be, given the fact that I'm a Knoxville team employee, about what went down regarding the suspensions for Justin Portillo and Cole McKechnie. So please hear me as I kind of give this from what I'm seeing on video. It It's a very tough spot for a team to be put in when a linesman thinks he saw something. So Knoxville essentially was given a two-man disadvantage because a referee didn't see what happened and his linesman wasn't confident about what he saw. And so Alvo obviously got a two-game suspension that was announced earlier on Tuesday morning. Um, My guess is, is that he was given one game for being the aggressor in the fight and the other was for trying to fight with his bubble off because he had a bubble on his helmet. You can't do that. It's equipment violation. So the timing is a little bit weird because it didn't come out until Tuesday after the game was played on Saturday. But ultimately, it was a really tough situation for Knoxville to be in. And I said it a month ago that, look, these are not the types of games that you want to call where the officials are making major calls or losing control of games and Just like what I said about Keith Grooms a month ago, Scott Gaffney let a lot go in that game both ways. And I think both fan bases have a right to be a little perturbed about the officiating from Saturday's game. If I'm being completely honest, I do think Roanoke was more of a beneficiary from how that game was officiated because Dawson McKinney gets hogtied trying to make a breakout and Owen McDade scored immediately after. And there was no call on McKinney getting pulled down. And then... Roanoke gets a five on three after Billy Roach starts a fight. And so the reason that I point this out is because if the linesman was under the impression that Cole McKechnie started the fight and that was their justification for giving him an additional two minute minor, if they had seen correctly that Roach started the altercation, Roach would have gotten the two minute minor. And not only would Roanoke have not have gotten a five on three, they wouldn't have gotten a power play at all. You either call it a complete wash, you call it four on four, call it whatever. But when you do the simple math, you take the two minutes away from Cole and you give it to Billy well, now you don't have a two-man advantage for Roanoke. I have also never seen an all-out brawl take place like that and one team get a two-minute a two-minute five-on-three. But you want to you give Roanoke a five-on-four? You want to wash all that out because, okay, well, we've got all this fight, but the whole thing started with Levesque Minor. Okay, that at least has some line of reasoning to it. But a referee doesn't see what took place and a linesman isn't 100% certain what he saw? I mean, based on that explanation alone, that all sounds like conjecture. That that sounds like, you know, we're, we're just guessing here. And I, I get it. Look, it's a tough situation for a referee to be in. We are the only professional league with just one referee. And a lot of people have been clamoring for a while that we need two in the SPHL. But that is a situation that nearly cost Knoxville a game. It essentially handed Roanoke a point. Because you really could make the argument that two of Roanoke's goals were the direct result of officiating and who knows maybe McDade scores anyway maybe McDade scores later in the shift maybe 
I believe it was Brendan Stanko that scored the power play goal late. You know, maybe maybe they do score on a five on four. But Knoxville had been really good at killing off penalties, and the only power play goal it gave up was a minute and 55 seconds into a six on three because Austin Rodebush had been pulled. That's what it took. A minute and 55 seconds of a six on three for Roanoke to finally score a power play goal out of eight opportunities. And now credit to Knoxville because if Knoxville gives up, you know, a, a few seconds before that, about a minute before that, Zane Steves makes a great sliding kick save to keep the puck out of the net. If that puck goes in, Roanoke still has a five on four for about another minute. And so there's the possibility that they could strike there. So kind of a, a weird situation. I think both teams have a right to be annoyed with the officiating. I think Knoxville actually still has a bigger gripe, even though they won the game. And again, you go back and listen to the episode from a month ago, trying to look at it as the way it played out and which calls had the most impact on the game and which teams benefited from those calls the most. So I appreciate you checking out this edition of the Knoxville Ice Beers podcast. Again, we'll have the call for you at 92.5 WKCE for the game this Friday and Saturday night, 7.35 p.m. at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. Looking forward to being back at home and a big weekend for Knoxville coming up with three games in three days. Thank you again for listening to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast.